Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this week, this week the topic is how did I get into this? And we all have these stories. We all have situations where we were either talked into something that we kind of knew going in the back of our minds was a really bad idea or We were talked into something thinking, oh, okay, this is really going to be great. And either way, you end up looking like a complete idiot. And these are a couple of my stories. One deals with uh, my days as a TV writer, and it was at the height of my career. I was working at Aftermath at the time. And the other deals with my checkered radio career when I was a disc jockey. So uh, allow me to pull some scabs and relive some unhappy, (laughs) squirming memories as I talk about two instances of how the hell did I get into this? It is always an honor to be honored, especially in Hollywood, unless... You're a couple of idiots like me and my partner, David Isaacs, and this is the story of how David and I were once given an award by the Rocky Mountain Writers Guild. This goes back to the mid-80s, and first of all, have to backtrack even more. Back in the 70s, when David and I were trying to break in and writing spec scripts, we took a an experimental class from UCLA. This was a night class at UCLA. It wasn't even UCLA Extension. I don't know. They don't do this anymore. There was this experimental program. And I don't know, it cost us a few bucks, but we took a sitcom writing course from a guy we'll just call Rick. It's not his real name, but we'll just call him Rick. And Rick claimed that he used to write on Barney Miller. Although week after week, we would watch Barney Miller and we'd never see his name on the screen. He also said that he used to write for the Sonny and Cher variety show. Okay, anyway, these are great credits. Until you come to find out years later, he never actually wrote on any of them. And when IMDB came along years later... And I got in touch with him, and I called him on all of this. He said, oh, no, no, I actually, I wrote for those shows. I'm just too shy, you know. I I just, I don't like going in for meetings and stuff like that. So I uh, basically ghost wrote those shows for 
a couple of writers. <laughs> yeah, okay. In addition to teaching this class, he basically was a consultant. In other words, and watch out for these guys, he would charge you $2,000 and you would bring him your screenplay or your TV pilot or spec script and he would develop it with you and give you notes, etc., etc. But again, this guy has no credentials whatsoever. <sighs> the other thing that he said, uh, he used to make his money, he claimed, by being in a weekly poker game with Rob Reiner. He was a great poker player, and so that's how he basically made his living. Okay, really a shady character, but a lovely guy, just just kind of a, a pixie. Uh, he probably weighed... 75 pounds. <laughs> he was like about 5'5 five, five and skinny as a rail, real weasley looking guy, but he was really nice. He was really fun. Okay, so we take the class from him at UCLA, and the only thing really valuable about the class was that we got a chance to hear other scripts and compare ours with theirs. So it was actually pretty good for the ego. So now we flash forward, and David and I have risen to the exalted position of supervising producers of Aftermash. So this is at the very peak of our television career. And Rick had moved on by that point and was now living in Boulder, Colorado. And again, he was making his money by consulting and taking $2,000 from people to give notes on their script. Rick calls one day and says, the Rocky Mountain Writers Guild, which is an organization that he was then associated with, wanted to give David and I their annual TV writing award. Well, okay, what does that mean? Well... They would fly us up to Denver and get us to Boulder, Colorado, all expenses. They would put us up. There was apparently going to be a big weekend writing seminar, and we would be asked to speak on Friday night for like about an hour and a half, a Q&A or whatever we wanted to do. Then there would be more lectures and seminars and presentations and whatever else. And then on Sunday night, there would be the big gala awards presentation. And the governor of the state of Colorado was going to present us the award. So we thought, well, okay, that sounds pretty cool. We said, where is this taking place? And he said, a camp resort in Boulder. And it has like uh, meeting rooms and a dining room. And we all will get individual cabins. Wow, okay. So this sounded great. This was like in June this thing was to be held. There was no internet. There was no way that I could look up this organization and see just who they were, who got the award last year or the year before. None of that. We just had to take it on blind faith that all of this was going to come true. <laughs> so David and I work around our job at this point 
and managed to get a Friday off and a Monday off because, like I said, the seminar was in June. We get our tickets and we're flying coach, but a reputable airline, (laughs) and we fly to Denver. And at the time, I said, can I bring my wife and child? Because my son, Matt, at the time was, I think, like about one and a half toddler. They said, sure, go ahead. So I brought Matt and my wife and David, and we fly up to Denver. They're going to meet us at the airport and chauffeur us to the campsite in Boulder. We get to Denver and we meet a different person. It's not Rick. Rick was busy, couldn't do it, but this person is going to give us a ride. Okay. So we get our luggage, we go outside, and he pulls up in a Volkswagen bug. Now, me, my wife Debbie, and my partner David, and my toddler son are wedged into a Volkswagen bug along with this driver, and there's not even enough room for our luggage, so whoever doesn't have a child in their lap has luggage. We It should have been a sign. We should have just turned right around and left, but no, no, we're idiots. We, we show up, and it's a nice camp site, very pretty, up in Boulder, and we're given our individual cottages. Our cottage seemed very nice. It was like a one-bedroom cottage. First class, no, but still it was fine. We have dinner, and then that night, David and I do our session. Remember, we brought an episode of Aftermash (laughs) that we were proud of. And there's maybe 15, 16 participants. It was held in a fairly nice meeting room, but a room that would accommodate more than 15 or 16, you know, more like 200. Still, David and I spoke. We showed our episode of Aftermash. Needless to say, they were all just blown away by how great it was. We answered questions. We did our thing was about an hour and a half, and that was it. So we had planned on renting a car for Saturday and Sunday and then just driving around Boulder and Denver and really getting a chance to explore Colorado. So we go back to our cabins on Friday night. It's cold. It gets cold still in June in Boulder, I learned that night. There was no heat in the cabin. And there was no phone in the cabin. There was nobody to call. There was nobody to complain to. And we just froze our ass off. I I think other than our son, who at that age slept through anything, I don't think between the two of us, we got three hours sleep. So now it's Saturday morning and we're really dragging and I decide, fuck this. We're going to go to a Holiday Inn, even though it's going to cost me. I got to get a room for the night, for Saturday and Sunday. I got to get some sleep. Well, we get up and we go to their little breakfast, and Rick approaches, 
and he's a little panicky. And he gets me and David aside. He says, uh, listen, guys, um, uh, we have a problem. What's the problem, Rick? Well, none of the other speakers showed up. Wait, none of the other speakers showed up? How many other speakers did you have scheduled? Uh, three or four. So all four speakers canceled at 7 o'clock on the morning they were supposed to speak? Is that what you're telling us, Rick? Well, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, like, what, what can I say? Well, what do you want us to do, Rick? He said, well, these people all spent like $400 to take this weekend seminar. Would you guys mind speaking a little bit more, doing a couple more little writing sessions? Well, first of all, we had pretty much said everything that we were there to say on Friday night, and it's not like we prepared a curriculum or anything. We said, well, what do you want us to do? How long do you want us to teach? He said, well, 10 in the morning until 6. Like, what? What? Eight fucking hours of teaching 15 people? That's what we had to do. And I'm telling you, we got out like every story and they were pitching ideas and we had nothing after like two hours. (laughs) We had like six more hours to go with these people. So the longest eight hours of my life. Then we, we go to dinner that night and we told him, I don't care what you do on Sunday, but we are not teaching. We are done. We will see you and the governor for the banquet. So we go into town, rent rooms at the Holiday Inn. It costs us money. We rent a car. We spend Sunday driving around Boulder in the mountains, and that part of it was lovely. Now it comes time for the big gala banquet. We get all dressed up. I had brought a suit and everything. You know, this is great. We're going to meet the governor, for Christ's sake. So it's supposed to be held at this old historic hotel in downtown Boulder. We arrive, and yes, there is a dining room set aside for us. We walk in. It is this tiny little room. You know, it's kind of one of those rooms that a restaurant will have if there's a little cocktail party going off to the side, you know, if it's, you know, someone's retirement party. And there's like three tables. That's it. Half of the students didn't even bother. They they all left. So now it's like nine people. And where's the governor? Oh, um... Darn, the the governor couldn't make it. By that point, what a huge surprise. 
So who is going to be presenting us this award? Rick. Okay. Rick then says to us, so do you guys have your speech ready? I said, what? What speech? He said, well, part of the award was that you guys were then going to give a keynote speech about the state of the industry. I said, no, we don't have a fucking speech. Well, you need a speech. No, we don't need a fucking speech. Just give us the fucking award and let us go home. And that's basically what we did. The award ceremony took maybe a minute. He introduced us. He gave us the award, which was not even a plaque. It was like just some certificate that you can go and buy at a stationery store. <laughs> the Rocky Mountain Writers Guild. I said, is there a president? Is, is, where's the board? Who else is on this Rocky Mountain <laughs> Writers Guild? I don't see anybody but you, Rick, just you. So we got our fucking awards, and then the next morning, the Volkswagen came around again to pick us up and take us home. And a couple of schmucks returned to Los Angeles, <laughs> sadder but wiser, and with a new award. And you may notice if you ever see any of my resumes or bios that among the accolades and among the awards that I have won, you will not find the 1984 Man of the Year from the Rocky Mountain Writers Guild. I think we threw it away. I finally went to my senior prom. I was 24 years old at the time. Oh, man. Talk about being talked into something. At the time, I was a disc jockey on KYA in San Francisco using the name Beaver Cleaver. And the program director called me into his office one day, and he said, we want to build a whole promotion around you. I thought, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. I was doing 10 at night to 2 o'clock in the morning, that coveted time slot. And he said, um, well, okay, we're coming up on June. We are going to have you take a lucky listener to their high school prom. I went like, what? <laughs> huh? And he said, no, look, it'll be fun. I've done this on other stations. You'll get a lot of promotion throughout the day. So it'll really be good to kind of build up your own ratings. And I like, you know, okay, what the heck? At that point, too, I was like really lucky to just be working, you know, in the big radio station in San Francisco. So I said, okay, sure, let's do this. And so they got thousands of postcards from all of these girls who were all kind of, how do I describe, Janice Ian, uh, the girls who normally would not go to their prom because if uh, the high school football star asked them to the prom, they wouldn't need to go with Beaver Cleaver, a disc jockey from KYA. So I select the winner, and the date is set, and I'm going to 
rent a limo. I'm not. The station is. You're going to rent a limo and I have to get a tuxedo and I have to get the boutonniere and all like that. And I don't remember too many of the particulars other than it was out in Burlingame, which is near the airport in the San Francisco area. And so I'm in my tuxedo and, you know, and I pull up to this young girl's house. She's 16 and ring on the bell. And the dad just gives me a look when he opens the door like, what the fuck? I mean, he's looking at me like like I'm Woody Allen or something, you know. And, of course, I feel extremely awkward, too. The the girl comes out, and she's very sweet. And the thing is, you know, this is a big night for her. Obviously, I don't want to make her feel awkward in any way, and I, I want her to have a special evening and a great experience. So I'm doing my best to really make it seem like I'm totally on board with this whole thing, and inside I'm dying. I'm just I'm just dying. So we go off to the school prom, which is held at her high school in like the gymnasium or something. Look, high school proms are awful anyway, okay? How many of you remember your high school proms with any fondness? It's like everybody just sort of stands around really uncomfortable, drinking that sweet, sticky punch and standing in long lines to get your picture taken. Uh, It's really awkward. So imagine that on top of that, you are eight or nine years older than anyone else in the room, including a couple of the faculty chaperones. And you don't know anybody. You know, you just can't walk up to somebody and say, uh, hey, do your math homework? I don't, you can't talk to any of these people. Now, I have gone to high schools for promotions before when I would like host dances. You know, that was a big thing where the disc jockeys at the local radio stations would host Friday night dances at the high schools. Usually we got paid for it too. It was actually a pretty cool gig. But when you do, you're like a celebrity. You know, it's like, oh my God, there's the big DJ from KYA. When you go to their prom, they look at you like, what's with you? I mean, let's face it. I just felt like this this pedophile is <laughs> standing with all of these kids. And yeah, it's an eight-year difference. But the difference between, say, 58 and 50 is not nearly as much as the difference between 24 and 16. So, and again, I had to like smile through the whole thing like I'm having such a great time because I didn't want to make her feel bad at all. Afterwards, we went out to a nice dinner at like, I think Hungry Tiger, something like that. And, you know, got her home at at a decent time, but... I just like I, I was completely humiliated, and I imagine I don't know what this girl's name is. I don't know whatever happened to her. We lost touch, needless to say. But I bet if she has a blog, or if 
She has a podcast. She probably is going to tell the story of that time that she went to the senior prom with some idiot disc jockey. And she would be right. Oh, no, a commercial. Well, as you know, I will only endorse products that I believe in, that I really use. And that's why I can say in all sincerity that you should go to KenLevinePlays.com and get a play for your theater or your amusement. Okay, again, I... I believe in this product. Uh, I have a website, KenLevinePlays.com, and on there you can go and you can browse all of my plays, full length and 10-minute and romantic comedies, whatever. You can buy them and download them easily, or, and this is, this is the part that's really cool, you can license them. If you have a theater, if you know of somebody who has a theater, you can do one of my plays. And depending upon where you are and when it is and what it is, I will do my best to get out there and see it. You know, I've schlepped out to Philadelphia and Saratoga and Grand Rapids uh, Seattle, and even San Juan Capistrano. I mean, I will go, if I possibly can, to see your production of my play. So uh, check it out, would you? No, there's no promo code. Uh, you don't get any, you know, Blue Apron meals for free or anything if you mention my name. But uh, like I said, I may come out and see the play. Okay, that is my commercial. And that will do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, and to John Wolfert. Uh, I would love a five-star review. Please subscribe to this podcast. And uh, let's see. Well, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. You can follow me on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, and I will write you back, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening this week. I will be back next week with more on Hollywood and Levine.